All right, we're on chapter three on courage, which is a weird way kind of to start a, a, a book on daring faith and rewards to have it right up at the very front. But I think it is the most important part that we can have in the flow of the book. So we have why we're writing this book, rewards, needing daring faith. And we're going to talk about all the rewards later. We're going to talk about how to get those rewards in the Sermon on the Mount. But really, the thing you have to have to make all this come together is courage. C.S. Lewis said that courage isn't just a virtue. It's all of the virtues at their testing point. If we really want to walk for Christ, if we really want to stand for him to have an effect on this world, we have to have courage. So we're going to start this off with a negative, and then we're going to go to the positive. And the negative is Revelation 21.8. So you can find this on um, page 35 of the book. And I have this memorized, but I like to read it just to make sure I get it absolutely right since we're on video here. Revelation 21.8. But the cowards, unbelievers, vile, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire. Revelation 21.8. So... What is cowardice? And it, it's shocking sort of that we, I, I preach on this all the time and I talk about it all the time, even with leaders. And when I quote that verse, their, their face is just sort of really cowardice. So if you're making a list of the eight sins that would make someone have their share in the lake of fire, would cowardice be the number one on your list? Or I should say cowards. Would that be number one on your list? It is on the Lord's. He's not doesn't think much of cowards. And we've talked about this a little bit, that when you look at Scripture and you look at the people in Scripture, man, they're a jacked up group of people just like you and I are. But the difference is they kept going. They did something great. They obeyed the Lord. And we have every story you can think of from David to Moses to Abraham. We have people who... Um, did great things in the name of the Lord despite their fear. And so that's where we want to start off with is what is cowardice? Well, cowardice is disobeying the Lord because of fear. Now, if we really think about that, it has a profound effect on how we view the world because how many of us tend to do things because of fear? In fact, it's something I hear all the time over and over. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Now, one of the things I have to ask is, what are you afraid of? What is it that's got you so worked up? And people really have a hard time answering that question most of the time. Well, I'm afraid of what people say about me on social media. I'm afraid that it could affect my kids. I'm afraid that they might take my medical license away. Well, I'm not saying those fears aren't valid. When we start talking about standing up for the things of the Lord, those things sound rather small, especially in light of what God has challenged us to be. Now, being a coward is not the same thing as doing something cowardly. That's an important distinction. And I tell the story in the book about how I was preaching in the Philippines. And when we had a big crowd there and gave a salvation message and people came crushing forward to receive Christ. And so I was down there praying with people. And, um, you know, I don't come from the charismatic side of things where healing and all that sort of thing is sort of normal. For me, it wasn't normal. And so as I was down there in the Philippines where Reinhard Bonnke and guys like that are, are well known and healings and all that stuff is well known, not my experience. Um, I was down there and this old woman, I mean, probably, I don't know, 70s or 80s, she came walking up and she had a, a seriously maimed leg. It was kind of withered and she was barely walking and she had like a granddaughter who was helping her along, a woman in her 20s. And they come up to me and she says, Pastor, Pastor, would you, would you have the Lord heal my grandmother? And I was like, oh no, 
Like I had no idea what to do. Um, they didn't teach us that in my Reformed Baptist church growing up. So um, she respectfully stood kind of over to the side, thankfully, because she spoke English and the grandmother didn't. And I find that when you pray, the best thing to do is to be honest with the Lord. And so I just got on my knees and I put my hand on her withered leg, like where her knee was. And I said, Lord, uh, you and I both know I have no idea what I'm doing. But I, I'm praying that you would heal this woman, because if you don't, you and I are both going to look really stupid. I, I actually prayed that prayer, and she got healed. I mean, her leg suddenly was normal, and she started to scream and jump and twirl and dance and run around, and the, the granddaughter started to make a big noise, and I got the heck out of Dodge. I didn't know what to do. So I jumped back on the stage and went back away from where all the people were because I was freaked out about, well, I, I don't know what to do now. Now, I tell that story because it was really a moment of cowardice on my part. And you think about how God might have been willing to use me right then, how he might have been willing to bless hundreds, thousands of people, who knows. But I had my eyes on myself. Instead of thinking about how might God want to bless these people, I thought, how might Ken not look stupid? because I didn't want to disappoint anybody. And I felt really relieved that she had gotten healed and that things were okay in her world. And I was so happy that I got out of there before I disappointed anybody. That's an act of cowardice. That was me not being the maximum uh, tool I could be for the Lord because I was worried about what I was going to look like. Fear, fear of the people, the opinion of people, fear of disappointing somebody caused me to not be the blessing I might have been. Who knows what would have happened? I only know what did happen. What happened was I ran and I hit. Am I a coward? No. Why not? Because you'll notice in this verse, and this is why I wanted to read it carefully, is <clears throat> it's talking about how you identify. But the cowards, unbelievers, vile murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. See, it's talking about how you identify yourself. It's not someone who did one of those things. It's talking about this is who, how you're known. This is who you are. Anytime you identify as anything other than a child of the Most High God, you're in danger of not living up to all that God has for you. And I mean things that are fine. If I identify as a former Los Angeles policeman more than I identify as being the Son of God, or as a Dallas cowboy, not, not that I was one, or a jet fighter pilot, or a housewife, or a black man, or a Harvard graduate, or anything that may take the fact that you identify as a child of the Most High God, those are things that are in danger of leading us astray. When it comes to sin, though, we're in serious danger of really being led off the path. See, Satan wants you to identify as anything other than a child of God, but especially if he can get you to identify by your sin. And how effective has he been for so many people? I think we see and we know how many homosexuals, this has been a big thing with them. I was born this way. I am gay. I've got my sticker. I'm gay. Well, that is a really sad thing when we think about the fact that they're identifying by their sexual orientation. Just, I mean, I don't identify as a heterosexual. It's not something I ever say. Probably you don't either. But Satan can deceive you into that without you realizing it. Well, you say you don't want to look at pornography, but you've always looked at it. You've looked at it since you were nine years old, and you're going to fail. You say you're not going to try, you're just going to fail again. You're now identifying as, I'm a porn addict. Alcoholics, I talked about this a lot. I don't like it when people say, hi, I'm John, and I'm an alcoholic. No, you're not. 
If you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not an alcoholic anymore. Do stop identifying as it. You are a child of the Most High God, completely forgiven, and you don't have to be that anymore. I understand Alcoholics Anonymous is trying to do a good thing, but I think they mislead people when they have them identified by their sin, even in a, in a good way. Don't be a Harvard grad, a black man, an NFL player, a police officer. Be a child of the Most High God, and that's something that you do or something that helps to identify you or is an identifying characteristic of your personality or success somehow. But be a child of the Most High God, and it will affect the way you do life, the way you see life, the way you behave. So if cowardice is disobeying because of fear, then courage is obeying despite fear. And I love the way, there's a lot of ways you can identify courage because Lewis really nails it. It is all of the virtues at their testing point. How will you behave in the moment of your testing? But be careful of your motives. The bravery and courage are not necessarily the same thing. A person can be brave, but not necessarily courageous. I told the story of one of my past books about you know two uh, officers in a war and his men are pinned down there's a machine gun nest. They're all going to get mowed down. And that officer grabs his gun and he runs toward the machine gun nest. And he takes it out and saves his men. Both, both, both officers do. But the first officer did it because he was courageous. He didn't have any examples. He just knew his responsibility. He wanted to guard his men and he did what he had to do. The second officer was a, a man who'd been born in a military family. He wanted to be heroic. He wanted to do the right thing. He was afraid of what what happened to him if he didn't do that. He wanted to get the reward from the president, you know, the Medal of Valor. So he he runs towards the nest with all these things in his head of pride and worldly affirmation. It really isn't about his men. It's about what people will think of him. It's about having his name in lights. It's about like like uh, was it Officer Dan and um, Forrest Gump wanting to die in a, in a hail of bullets. Both men did the exact same thing. But did both men exercise courage the same way? And I would say, no, they didn't. The one person did it from a pure heart and pure motives, standing for my men. The other one did it out of pride. And we can see how that can happen in many ways. The way we give. How did we give? Did, did people know that we gave? Were we trying to give to get our name in lights? Did we want to have our name put on the big building? Did we want to have somebody not think poorly of us? All those different things come into play. What was the motivation of her heart? Again, we're going to get into the Sermon on the Mount, but so, so much of what Jesus talks about is, why did you do what you did? And so courage and bravery are not necessarily the same things. Be courageous, which means it comes from the inner core of your being. Despite my fear, I will obey the, the Lord God. I will do what he has commanded me to do, even if there might be consequences to it. And I think you'll find most of the time the consequences you think you have don't show up because most of the threats against you don't tend to come to fruition. So I think at this point, it's reasonable to ask, well, I don't feel I'm a, like I'm a courageous person. So what do I do to get courage? There's two sides to this. Uh, let me take the negative side first. I have found that fear and sin come from the same place. That is to say, people are filled with fear, usually are people who are in known sin. I remember there was one person who was a leader in the church and um, he was constantly filled with fear over little things. I remember thinking, man, he seems like a really godly guy, but my experience has been when you find somebody who's filled with fear, 
by the way, filled with fear doesn't mean afraid of certain things. If you are afraid of snakes, it doesn't mean you're filled with fear. It just means you have a fear of snakes. I mean, fear in general, a spirit of fear around you all the time, always worried about what might happen next. And he had that spirit of fear I found odd. And then I found out years later, he was in terrible sin the whole time. And it consistently with what I had thought. Spirit of fear equals somebody who's living in sin. And by the way, anxiety is not the same as fear. I have found that anxiety comes from running ahead of God. We have a motto at Promise Keepers that is don't see your shadow. That means don't start running ahead of God where you start seeing your shadow. Because when you're ahead of God, you'll be filled with anxiety. Not the same thing. So fear, sin, anxiety, running ahead of God. So we know what a spirit of fear is. And you may be thinking about how do I get away from all that. Well, like anything else in life, if you are overweight and you want to get in shape, you got to buy the running shoes and start running. You've got to be, what, uncomfortable, experience pain to defeat being overweight. If you want to learn Spanish, you got to get babble or get a book and study and, and, and go through the pain of studying. Getting courage is simply being courageous. That is to say, you defeat fear by going through fear. The more you obey anyway, the more you'll find that you are courageous, the more you'll find that fear does not have a hold on you. So we develop habits in life. If you, going back to the exercising thing, if you start exercising all the time, pretty soon you'll really feel it when you don't exercise. In fact, you'll yearn to exercise. You'll want to go running or you'll want to go lift weights. And you, if you start eating healthier, you'll want to eat healthy and suddenly the unhealthy food doesn't taste as good. It's the same as anything else in life. A habit is only a habit until you're aware of it and then it's a choice. Well, the reverse of that, you make choices often enough, they become habits. Both are true. It's like a circular thing there. Face your fear head on and you will find it was never as bad as you thought. And you'll find that the next time it's a little bit easier to face your fear. And pretty soon, you'll be one of those people who's constantly doing the thing that needs to be done. Consequences be darned because you would rather, because you identify as a child of the Most High God, obey him and have fellowship and relationship with him than any consequence that may come from not doing it. And that is when you start to find one day without thinking about it, whoa, everyone's calling her, everyone's calling him a really courageous person, always boldly willing to move forward because of what you value, what you identify as. I'm a child of the Most High God, and I value fellowship and relationship with Him above anything else, including above anybody else on this earth or their opinion of me. This is why it's important to really know God's Word, to be in prayer, so that we're not just being bold and rebellious, but we're being truly loving in obeying Him, and pretty soon we find that fear has no hold on us. You know, I found that the COVID epidemic was a real exposure of the church, and you may have felt that way too. It was interesting to me to see how many churches closed down and stayed closed down. Now, I don't mean the first couple of weeks. I mean, I remember the first couple of weeks of COVID, they were acting like this was going to be some ridiculous epidemic that was going to wipe people out. And certainly it was responsible for people not to get together for a couple of weeks. But once we sort of figured it out, you saw the, the churches of the guys that really the pastors really had boldness. They opened their doors and they didn't care about the consequences. And then you saw a lot of churches who wouldn't open their doors. So you had strip clubs and gambling halls and bars open and churches closed. And we were okay with that. And I think what that said was, you know, we didn't really believe in our message. Because if we were truly courageous and we truly believed what we said, that we have the living water, that people are dying and going to hell without the message of Jesus Christ, would we be okay having our doors closed while, the, while it was okay for the bars to be open? 
Certainly not. So when we were okay, I think the whole world saw, and so did a lot of carnal Christians, hmm, there must not really be truth to it. Because otherwise, if people are dying from COVID, wouldn't the church be more active than ever? And in fact, we've seen that in history, haven't we? I mean, the Black Plague in Europe, you know, the, the victims, uh, primary victims of that were Christians, the real Christians. Why? Because when the Black Plague hit, which was a terrible way to die, Christians stayed. When everybody else fled the cities to go and isolate themselves, it was Christians who stayed and nursed the sick that were in so much misery, and many of them got the Black Plague and died. We saw a story with uh, John Wesley. When John Wesley was on a ship, uh, I think he was coming to America, and the Moravians were there, the Moravians, great people of prayer, uh, just abandoned to Christ. And as the ship was in really rough seas and it felt like it might sink, and I've heard people say that being on a ship in a major storm is one of the most terrifying experiences that you can go through because it goes on forever. But Wesley despaired for his life. He was he was terrified and he was ashamed because he heard the Moravians all there singing hymns and praising the Lord Jesus as if nothing was going on. And he realized at that point how weak his prayer life was compared to theirs, even though he was a famous preacher. Because when that all came, courage was nothing to them. Praising the Lord, whatever he had, their faith was, was enough for him and to trust in him. Whereas Wesley was exposed of realizing how weak his prayer life was. Might we be those kinds of Christians like the Moravians, that when the waves are crashing and when people are freaking out and looking for someone to be the rock, you and I are that rock because we have continued to work through our fear and exercise great courage. You know, I've seen that with my wife, Elliot, and I, I talk about her all the time. So if I repeated myself, I'm sorry, but I love to talk about Elliot, but she's as bold and courageous on social media. And how many times she's told me how she'll be standing for Christ. She'll just put a Bible verse on. She doesn't argue with anybody. She doesn't say anything controversial. She'll just put on a John 3:16, and then somebody will come back at her with some vicious statement and she'll graciously go on. And sometimes she gets these long, long thousands of people responding to her and she just so graciously response to him and a lot of times makes him angry and she'll have lots of people private message her hey you go girl i'm standing with you you know you keep it up and she said to me sometimes you know kim why don't why don't people say that publicly why is it that the people who agree with me always do it privately so that no one gets the criticism and it makes me sad and i think of this five foot three hundred and ten pound beautiful woman just standing in there with grace and love and courage because she values their soul and giving them the truth more then she values whether people say mean things to her. You know, there's a famous Leonard Ravenhill quote that says, are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? I think courage is the thing that really helps us to be able to answer, absolutely. We want Christ to be proud of the lives that we're living. We wanna not shrink away in the moment of testing because we wanna have fellowship, we wanna have closeness, we wanna abide in the vine, as Jesus said. Um, and that brings me to the last story that kind of closes out this chapter. There was a story of Thomas Cramner at the start of the chapter, and I hope you have a chance to read that because it really is a phenomenal story. So I think a lot of us wonder, could I be Thomas Cramner, the person who was burned at the stake at the beginning of this chapter that I didn't talk about here? Could I be George Whitfield that, that nursed the sick on a ship on his way to Georgia that we talked about earlier? Could I be John Wesley and actually in the midst of a raging storm see my own ineptness in the Lord? Would I have rushed in during the Black Plague? I don't know. I don't think you really can know what you're going to be like until the moment of testing comes, as Lewis says. But 
when that moment of testing comes, the series of decisions that you have made will result in what you end up doing. You've given in your temper over and over again. Chances are when the guy flips you off on the freeway, you're going to lose your mind and do something stupid. Has that not been the experience for so many of us? If you've done the humble thing, you'll continue to do the humble thing. And if you've done the courageous thing, when all of the virtues come at a moment of testing, will you run towards the sound of gunfire instead of away like everybody else? Will you stand strong? I think we live in a time right now where the world needs courageous Christians to stand. We are living in a time of evil like we haven't seen I don't think in the history of the world in a certain regard, I'm not saying we live in a more evil time. I'm saying there are portions of evil. And I'm talking right now about the, the use of the transgender movement. Now, hear me close, closely on this one. Transgender people are mostly people who are deeply confused and they need the love of Jesus Christ, but they're being used by people for their own benefit. And who's using them? Well, some some are using them for greed. You know, transgender surgery costs $80,000. And so that's why hospitals are pushing it so much, destroy somebody's body so that they can enrich themselves. But more so, Satan, Satan's lies has deceived people. They hate God. They hate everything about God. And, and the the sex of a human being is at the very foundation of the creation. When God created man, he created male, female. That is to say, he created woman out of man, separated masculinity and feminine so they could come together in relationship with him, a three-chord strand, just like the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son, right? So the same, di same dichotomy there. Man, woman, the very foundational basic part of creation and the people who hate God and hate truth are using a very tiny minority of people, transgender people, who are mostly, just like I said, confused people who need our love. So when I say we need to fight against this movement, I don't mean fight transgender people. I mean love them and give them the grace of Christ and fight against people who are using them for their own agenda. Will we stand in this day and age? Here in Colorado, where I live, just talking to a friend of mine whose granddaughter went in, six years old, first day of school, and the teacher badgering her because she insisted she was a girl. Are you sure you're a girl? Are you sure you don't want to be a boy? Six years old. This kind of an evil is something that should, we should not stand for, not for one minute. Will we stand up and be counted? However we can, wherever we are, being getting involved on a school board or getting on social media or however you can, how can you? The consequences be darned. The people who want to say nasty things about you be darned. The people who have been deceived by Satan need to see Christians standing up today in our day and age. Now, we're going to get on into this book. Right now, we see the, the point, the center point of all of this is courage. Will you have the courage to stand with the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you do, he says, I have great rewards for you. I have unbelievable promises for you in heaven and on this earth the peace and the power i promised you and the unity i promised you and a family with that has peace in it that i promised you will occur if the man or woman is a part of that stands for god no matter what doesn't mean there won't be stuff going on in fact you will have more people hate you more people say things about you more criticism about you again we're promised that over and over again in scripture we're going to again see that in the sermon on the mount section but the joy and the peace that passes all understanding, as, as it says in Philippians chapter 4, will guard your heart and mind to Christ Jesus because you know that you're standing with truth courageously. You are like a rock in the sea that everyone will look to and say, 
I need to be with that person because that person is unshakable in the Lord. It's not hard to do. It's just really hard to do, meaning it's easy. You just got to make the choice to continue doing the courageous thing. And that's the hard part. It's a conundrum. But I think you all know what I mean by that. The more you exercise courage, the more courageous you'll become. And one day you'll look back and go, whoa, I just became a pillar to everyone who knows me in the, in the name of the Most High God because I've refused to compromise. You compromise, you become a compromiser. You become a coward. You keep continue to go through the fear, through the pain, through the anxiety, through the criticism. You will find that you become that very son or daughter that is described in this book that when that moment of testing comes, the black plague hits, COVID hits, you're the one who's standing strong. You're the one who's running towards the need, not away from it.